Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I'm here at BBDO New York with Greg Hahn, who is the Chief Creative Officer. It's amazing to be here. Thank you so much for, for being here today. Thanks for having me. Welcome to uh, my podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've obviously had an incredible career. Um, you oversee a huge operation here at BBDO. You are on, and we'll get to all this a little bit in a little bit, you are on the Snapchat Creative Council. You are a board member of the, uh, my friends at the Art Directors Club. You worked at uh, Fallon Worldwide from 96 to 2005. Um, and obviously you've done a whole lot here at BBDO. So for people that don't know you, can you tell me uh, a little bit about yourself and your journey this far? I am the Chief Creative Officer, like you said. You've pretty much hit the highlights of the career. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chief Sorry to take everything away from you. <laughs> Yeah, I think you've done it. It's Chief Creative Officer of BBDO in New York, which means I oversee all of the creative that comes out of the New York office of BBDO, which is um, where their headquarters. And then I work for and with uh, David Lubars, who's the Global Creative Director at BBDO. You know, the purpose of this podcast is to bridge the gap between entry-level designers and the industry's best. I think that people are probably sick of me saying that. They probably have it down by now, but just in case people are listening for the first time. Um, so... Obviously, you've had a lot of success in your career, um, and you've worked at some of the, you know, with the biggest clients and some of the biggest agencies in the world. Um, can you tell me about your journey starting out? What was it like, and how'd you land your first gig in the field of design? I think the first job is really important and not important at all, and two reasons are. One is that a lot of people, you know, worry about, is, does it have a name? Is it, is it the best place for me? What, should I take this job? Um, I would worry less about the name on the door and more about the people that you are working directly with and under. You have to be able to learn something. And the other thing is don't take a job just for the money, the first job. I know it's easy for me to say, you know, because I'm not scrapping for my rent and paying back student loans at this point, you know. But we've all been there. And it's been very, um, you know, it's very easy to take the, the quick fix, but here's, here's the most important decision I had made in my career, which was I was interning for free at this, um, what, I, what was considered a really great shop with some, some of the best uh, creatives in, in um, Southern California at a small agency in San Diego, and at the same time I was you know, driving across town and working at another agency, but getting paid for it, and it wasn't exactly the kind of work I wanted to be doing. So they were, you know, as a junior, first job out of, you know, college, which I had no portfolio really at all. And once, once, once I had done this for like six months, the, the paying agency said, you know, we'd really like to keep you on. We want you full-time, come work for us, you know, stop interning at another agency, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And we'll pay you, I think at that time, it was like $30,000, which back in the day, and for a first job, that was huge. That would have set me up. I was like, oh my God, wow, right. kind of made it. It wasn't the kind of work I was doing, and it, so I made make a choice of do I take this and quit the intern job, or do I quit this job, that which is actually paying me, and work for these guys who know what they're doing, and I could probably learn something for for free. So I, I you know, I met with someone outside the, both those agencies, and he gave me a really great piece of advice. He said, when you're starting out, never take the money because you can always sell out later. Like it's very hard to take that road. For money and then jump up to the road that's about work because yeah. you're going to have to either 
take a less paycheck or you'll never get there because you won't have the work to get hired. You become like kind of complacent, just making the money. And yeah, you, you, get, you, get, you start to down the wrong path immediately. So it, between those two roads, it's always best to go for the work if you you know if at all ever possible because you like i said you can always sell out later if that's if that's what you need to do but um when you're first when you're first starting out it's really important to be around people that inspire you that you can learn from and that are constantly making your work better and you're getting stuff for your own portfolio like the way i, I look at it is when you're your first couple of years you are your client you your your job basically is to be pretty selfish you know make sure the work that's going into your book does does you good as well as you know the, the agency you're working for usually those things are not mutually exclusive you know if you're doing great work for the agency you're doing great work for yourself all right so in my preparation for this podcast i looked uh over some of your work i found i think it was in campaign us some of the campaigns you've worked on before i loved the one uh the cat herders campaign i thought that was me and my wife were like hysterically laughing at that what is the most rewarding work for you to work on and what makes you feel the most fulfilled well i'll try to frame this in a way that's actually um helpful to people so it's not just me kind of talking about my work but <laughs> do you how awesome you are. yeah to, let's just turn this about um, my work yeah. no i think i think to me the most interesting kind of assignments are the ones that have absolutely nothing to do with anything personal to me like nothing that I would normally be into or interested in. So I really like this idea of stepping into somebody else's shoes and seeing the world through their eyes. So like the most interesting, challenging assignments to me have been stuff like Sports Illustrated because I'm not a sports fan. So it's like understanding the mentality of somebody else. And you know, and for like Timberland, out, outdoor stuff, again, not, not a big outdoors person <laughs> either. You can see my limited experience to anything yeah. physical. Um, but I, but I really enjoy kind of like stepping into someone else's world and seeing things through their eyes. And I think that's like probably the key to being a creative is empathy. Because you're not just doing ads for an audience of you. You're doing it for people who you may not know that well. So you have to kind of understand what motivates them, um, what, what voice they like to speak in, and all that, all that kind of stuff. I, I just find that really interesting because you can step outside yourself and kind of gain a new perspective by chameleon yeah yeah and and write in a voice that's not necessarily your natural voice it stretches you a bit i know that i also read that um your philosophy and kind of like your your mantra in in life the the word yes just saying yes to things and you know like you said just kind of like diving into things you're not aware of and um for people that are kind of you know, young designers or people that are just entering the field that are kind of scared to pursue new things or to put themselves out there or leave their, their safe situation and kind of, you know, dive into something unfamiliar. Um, how do you find the courage to do that? I think that kind of started at an early, early stage when you can't really turn down assignments, so you just kind of embrace them. But that, 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 that's where it started is referring to sort of assignments when there's things that are floating out there and then someone's looking for someone to do it just jump into it you know say say yes to the assignments that no one else wants that seem hard because those are the places to shine if someone's giving you the next nike ad you 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 have a high bar to cross but if they're giving you something that no one expects to be good and it's way better than it has any right to be suddenly you put your 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 name on the map you know yeah so 
there's that side of it, but the other side of it is as a creative person working in teams, which you do in, in advertising a lot, creative art director, um, you know, writers, you work in a group of people. And what I've found is that it's so much better to be open to the other person's idea and say yes and see where it goes. It's the improv thing. Yes. And you know, you sort of build off of an idea right. and see where it goes. And if it doesn't go anywhere for, or if it just turns out bad, what are you wasting? What you, you know, it's not that at least you're getting some dialogue going and some, some input, which may, you know, spurn something else. So this whole idea of just being open, I've had um, experiences on both sides where you have a partner that can just fire back at you and, you know, you're, you guys are instantly clicking and, you know, building off of each other. And then the other side of it is when you have a partner that it's like a brick wall and you can just feel, you know, the, the sort of walls coming up and the ideas stop. So I always believe that you can say no later, but in the early stages of things, try it. Why not? What do you do when, when it's not working out? Like, what are some of the ways to kind of break through that and kind of find some middle ground? I think it depends on where those walls are coming up. If it's coming up from creatives and they're not getting along, you kind of have to figure out what's going on there. Maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe they're just stuck. Like an thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're just stuck. And maybe they're, um, I don't know, something personal. You see, the, every situation is different. If the brick wall is with the client, you know, they... The, clients yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's times where they they you just have hard clients, and no matter what you present to them, they're not into it. So you got to figure out what's going on there. the 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 thing is, don't ignore it. Like, just try to ask what's going on, what's wrong, where are the hangups. What I have found though, with people with creative teams, because I get this question a lot too from people asking about being creative directors. What do you do when a team brings you nothing? Like you've gone through their stack and there's just absolutely nothing in there that you're liking. What I usually end up doing with that team, if a team comes in and says, uh, you know, here's all our work, here's where we are, and you don't see anything in it, is first of all, I'd stop and go like, okay, what do you guys like? Is there anything in here you guys are dying to make? And if there is, um, we, I take a look at that, but what I end up finding is it's not so much that they're bad creatives or anything like that because they wouldn't be here. It's that they don't know what to say. You know, there's a problem with the brief. It's not the execution or how they're trying to say it or the creative idea they're wrapping around. It's that they've started off from a place of untruth or it's unclear. So they don't believe in it themselves. Kind of yeah, it, it's kind of the message isn't clear. So creativity, I, I I've said this before, is it's a two step. Advertising is basically two steps. It's it's not that hard, in theory. Right. The two steps are first, what to say, two how to say it. Usually the problem is in not how to say it, the number two, which is what we call the creative part. It's the what to say, the number one. They don't have a clear brief. They don't know what they're saying. So if you can go back and fix that, the the executions, the ideas usually come out pretty um, seamlessly once you know the, the simple insight or the truth that you're trying to, to relate. Usually you'll come up with the ideas pretty pretty easy. Right. Um, I think the big problem is trying to figure out the brief or what you're, what, what exactly you're trying to communicate in an interesting new way. Right. You know, it has to be some. Doing something that hasn't been done before. Doing something. That all that comes with with having with starting on a clear foundation, which is right. the first part. You know. Yeah. All the fun executional, like what's what's a way to do this in a way we have never seen it before, comes from having something interesting to say in the first place. BBDO is one of the most respected. Uh, advertising design agencies in the world and I'm sure you're inundated with people wanting to work with you 
for entry level designers and for people in general that, that want to work with you know work with the team here at BBDO, what are you looking for, and what are some of the things that you see that you wish you you didn't see, or that you kind of look at the things that's kind of like hacky? What's a portfolio that that makes you excited, and that and that like how do you shake it up? Like how do you stand out from the from the rest of the crowd? I think the the biggest thing I'm looking for is is a unique voice, a personality. You know, like you can kind of. Like I said, most of my work comes from different places. The work I've done personally, there's a lot of different tones and styles in it, but it has a yeah, it should have a certain um, level of of uh, personality to it. Um, I think the biggest mistake people put is is when you're when you're young and maybe a year or two into this business, you tend to put anything that's produced into your book because it was produced. I wouldn't do that unless you believe in it. Uh, I would look at your portfolio when you send it as what is your worst piece and know that that may be the only thing they look at. So right. be really hard on yourself. It, and if people tell you that they don't like something but you like it, put it in your book. Because a lot of people have, you know, you're going to get different opinions every person you show. Subjective. It's very subjective. Some things, you know, get some things are universally loved no matter where you show them that's great keep those but there's th if there are things that are kind of getting polarizing opinions and you believe in it I keep it and that that's the other thing i would think i would think about is um don't try to do work that you don't believe in that but you think will get you hired somewhere because you don't want to work there if they're doing work you don't designing highbrow work yeah if if it's not you if you if you don't respect the work, don't try to put work in there that's going to get you hired there. Because I've seen that happen a lot. It's just like, um, yeah, I don't really want to do this kind of advertising, but they do it, so I'm going to put it in my book. It's like, well, you're just setting yourself up for doing the kind of advertising you don't like to make this more concrete. Like, if you go to an agency that does package goods, but you don't want to work on that client, so you put, but you put a lot of that kind of work in your book, you're going to end up doing that kind of work at that agency. So, you know, just think about what kind of clients, what kind of work, what kind of tone you want to work on. If you are great at comedy, but you don't have serious stuff in your book, and you, don't worry about it if you want to work it up, continue to do that kind of work. If you don't, you need to stretch yourself, you know, and try, try something else. I had an experience very similar to that. I tried putting in my book things that, like when I left school, I tried putting things in my book that were very Swiss and very, you know, like, I, I admired people like like Michael Beirut and you know Britt Cobb and people that did very like clean minimal beautiful work but in my heart of hearts that wasn't really the person that 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 I am while I admired it like I, I liked that work and I appreciated that work but I didn't that didn't reflect who I was right. so then I kind of just started doing I was like you know I have like a wild imagination very like colorful very yeah. like bold and then I started putting that into my work, and then I went on to work at the Hershey Company, and it was great because it's like people will see my work and they'll be like, "Wow, that's kind of that's yeah, yeah it's, it's a representation of me, right?" I think like bringing to your book the kind of yeah. thing that you want to do yeah. will put you where you want to be. That's what yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is yeah. have yourself shine through in the book in some way. Don't you you automatically know it when it feels artificial or the person's trying to do something that's not germane to them or their personality. But when, when your personality really shines through, and that comes through in everything about your book, the, the way you write your, about yourself, the way you word things, the way you lay it out, you know, just this overall 
feeling you get from a book. And if you can if you can pull that off in a website, you know, that's that's going to be sent without knowing you. If I can get a sense of who you are from that, that's that's a strong, you know, piece. That's a strong strong way to to promote yourself. This gets a little philosophical, but I, I just happened to be reading this this morning and it kind of struck me where this stoic philosopher had this piece of advice which was um choose whose child you want to be and it comes off of that you know plays off that idea as you can't choose your parents but you can choose your mentors so as a as a junior I remember that you know looking back that's kind of exactly what I I did is some of the places I was I was working and spending my time you know the as I mentioned earlier weren't the um, most inspiring places so I had to go out and find my mentors and I just studied books and award shows and all and found people who, who you know whose writing I really admired and then studied everything they did and tried to understand how they thought and how they worked and then if I could if I had the chance to I would try to meet them in person and at least kind of get a sense of how they got to where they were and Certain people won't have the time. It's just it's 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 hard to do that once you you know get working and things like that. But right. you certainly can go out and find stuff on the on the internet and, and read. read right? <laughs> and on these uh, now there's things called podcasts yeah. which you can listen to and learn all 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 these kind of things. But back in the day, you know, uh, you really had to just kind of go through award show annuals and books like that and things mm-hmm. like that. But you can still learn a lot. That's still a good way to see where the bar is and see who's doing what kind of thinking and you know what success kind of looks like in that award show arena. Yeah. yeah. I just did like a big long rant um, on the podcast talking to entry-level designers about just befriending people. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the, 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 I think people are kind of blinded by the term like mentorship. Like, I don't know, like a mentor. Yeah, no, it sounds so like, a, like, like you're going to go in and hammer some uh, some, some metal away in some shop somewhere. <laughs> you know, the apprenticeship. Yeah. No, but just be friends with people, yeah. Yeah, it's just talking to people and being you know getting connections but the the learning process it doesn't require a lot of time on their part because you're doing it um in in lieu of them you're doing it you know online or through books or magazines or articles they've written you're just kind of understanding how a person thinks and how they got to where they are i mean there's some great biographies on da vinci which you don't have to actually talk to him you know because which that'd be kind of hard at this point, but you can learn how he thought and how he got to to where he was, and apply that to what how you think. Yeah, Michael, um, you'll be smarter. Yeah, My, Michael Beirut has a great insight on that called. Uh, it's a talk, actually. I think a conference. I'll link it up in the comment section, um, where he says about you know hijack your mentors. Oh, yeah. Like they don't have to know that you exist. Like you don't have to meet them. You don't have to know that they exist. It's like oftentimes they put their best selves on the internet. Right. And you can kind of just like hijack their. That's kind of a weird way to. Uh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to know. Yeah, but I think that's why it's so important. You know, people leave school, they think to themselves like, "Well, like you know, I got to find a mentor." Like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But I think oftentimes, whether it be befriending or hijacking or however it is, it's crucial to surround yourself with people that are going to make you your best you. That's why I'm so val- You know, I'm so grateful for your time today and for everyone that I was talked to. I could only hope that, like, you know, if you're always kind of aping somebody else's thing, so, or like, you know, like being influenced by somebody else. So it's crucial that you make sure that those people are people that you respect right. and people that you want to, like, I want to be just like you. I want to have an office 
just like this. Like, I, I, this is what I want to be. So, like, I would be foolish not to want to spend time with you or at le- very least, like, learn more about you. So Yeah, it's great that you're doing this. I'm sure that, you know, the people listening to this are, are gaining way more than than uh, than I ever got when I was at, at their stages. They're already head of, head of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was actually a lot harder before the Internet existed to do this kind of thing. So take advantage of it. Like I said, hijacking mentors, that's great. Yeah. I'll send it to Link. Yeah, please. <laughs> You've obviously had tremendous success and uh, are overseeing one of the best you know, agencies in the world. Um, really successful campaigns and you're killing life. You're doing an awesome job. Like, did you ever think when you started out, you know, because you're on you know, the Snapchat Creative Council, you're, you're overseeing this operation here at BBDO. When you were my age, I'm 26, did you think... Did you ever foresee this happening or, or did it seem kind of like a, a dream or like maybe it might work? Or were you just like, I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to go crush it. Yeah. First of all, thank you. I don't, I don't know if I live up to that. But um, I was always really focused on, on what I was doing at that time. Like when I was writing, you know, as a, as a writer starting out in this business, I was just focused on being the best writer I could possibly be. I wasn't looking, you know... I never played like the politics game. I, I wasn't looking to be the, a leader of anything. I just wanted to be a really great writer. Then once I, I did that for a while, you, you automatically start to think, what's the next step? So that was like a junior creative director. So I was going to try to be the best of that. So instead of focusing on you know where you want to go all the time, focus on what you're doing now and you will get there. You know whether you want to. Or not. Kind of looking down at your feet. One thing at a time. One thing at a time, yeah. Focus on being the best you are where you are, and you will. People will pull you forward. You know, you have to. You have to have a plan. I guess you have to have some sort of plan. But I never really thought. Had I thought that my goal was to be chief creative officer of a big New York agency, I never would have been there. I would have been too free. Like I wouldn't even know how to get there. Right. You know, it just. It just so happened that I, you know, step one step at a time managed that. Yeah, like the yeah. flashlight going through the tunnel. Yeah, right. You know, like, yeah, you don't even need to know where the end is. You don't have to. You just have to know what's right in front of you. One other thing that really um, changed the way I approached my career was early in the day, I bought a. Back in the day, when I was trying to learn how to be successful in the world of advertising, I bought a, you know a book in the uh, help you know self help section of the bookstore. Back when people went to bookstores. It was like how to be successful. It was like four pages long, but it was probably the most important little pamphlet I ever read. And it basically came down to one simple piece of advice, which was um, successful people do things that unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. So, I mean, so simple. It's like successful people do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. So that if that means redoing your entire book, that's what you have to do because – not everyone's willing to do that, you know. Right. It, it means, again, taking the hard assignments because it's hard and most people won't do that, you know. So just yeah. whenever you're thinking, should I do this? Do I really need to go to this event tonight? Just think, you know, successful people do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. So push, push yourself, you know. I love that. Yeah. I kind of, I like to think that, that I kind of live in that way. I also feel lately, I feel like I'm constantly ruthless with myself. So I look at life, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk always says, like, you know, um, 
micro patience, macro speed. Like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds really cool. Yeah. Probably when he says it, even more cool. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I, I recently, I was at their office here today and I saw him. I like freaked out. I had a real like fangirl moment. So I, you know, I, I'm patient, and, but I am really, really fast in terms of like the grind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to edit the podcast in yeah. one day. But I do it yeah, just you're to super driven. I can tell that. Just to stick it, like you know, to myself, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You have to be your own worst. Um, I shouldn't say worst, but biggest driver. But um, like, do you, I never, I never stop in my head. It's ridiculous. No, It'll be like three a.m. and I'll be like, I got fifteen more minutes in me. I will get it. I will like. But it's so weird. Like, there's no one that's, no one's judging me. Right, and no right, one. But you always feel the but in my head, it's like, like I'm going to beat myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, no, I, I'm the same way. It's the blessing and the curse of being a creative person is that yeah. you're never done, for one thing. And it can always be better. And there's this whole thing about, is this good enough? Is this the failure? Is this, you know? Never relax. Even never relax. Even seven yeah. days in Bermuda, I was thinking about work and media articles. Like, yeah, I know. It's, it's hard. <laughs> well, you know, people always talk about work-life balance, but... I've never really separated it that way. Yes, I have a wife and family and love that, that part of my life, but it still doesn't mean I'm not thinking about work or because I, I really genuinely like what I do. Mm-hmm. And everything you do, you can bring to your work. So going out and having a family, having these experiences, let yourself go a little bit because that's, you're going to bring that to your work. Yeah. yeah. It will inform your work. Yeah. It will inform your work, but there is this whole thing and you're, you're inner driven. Most of the best people are... Um, unfortunately miserable inside <laughs> because they're so driven and, right. and never satisfied so, um, you have to kind of learn to live with that and once you do this for long enough you kind of realize that it's okay you can't you you're you're no one's gonna call you out for being a fraud you've got the work you've done it but it does take it does take having that body of work or having that you I'm know. not at that point yet. I feel like there's like... Well, no, but I don't know if anyone feels that they're at that point, but yeah. you do need a couple of wins under your belt to make you feel a little bit better about the next thing. Because I still feel anytime I get a brief or something to write, like, is this the time they find out I can't do it? You know? Yeah. You know, you, you never, you should never be um, happy with, it's unfortunate to say, happy, you should never be satisfied or happy with where you, where you are. I think that there's some things you can recall back in your mind that sets it at ease a little bit, but it never does go away. And I don't think it should unless you're done working because that's what drives you. That mm-hmm. hunger, what you're talking about is what makes you good. There's that saying that nothing is more expensive than regret. And that, that, that's kind of what, <laughs> the way I try to live my life is like, yeah. you don't want to look back and go, God, I wish I had done that. And I knew like there, there's certain things you just, you don't you don't have any control over but the things you do have control over and you don't do then that's that's painful in years all right so uh in closing uh greg this has been amazing for real this is so cool this uh it it doesn't even feel like work when i do these conversations because oftentimes like i would love to have your time anyway so to be talking to you and providing value for other people is really kind of uh never gets old so thank you for doing this thank you for having me you've you've found a really smart way to get to know people (laughs) because um it's a trojan horse it really it it really is a trojan horse and and you've you've tapped on a really great insight that nobody hates talking about themselves right i'm I'm playing to people's egos yeah yeah. yeah, you're playing to people's egos and then you're actually making them uh, a, a star by putting them on your podcast well, I think you were a star before this. I feel like I'm at like Martin Scorsese's house right now. This is amazing. 
Um, yeah, but thank you so much for doing this. Uh, just in closing, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say um, for entry-level designers, anything that you left out? And also to where can people find you uh, online? I know they have a very low profile, which I respect about you, actually. We were talking before the podcast. Oftentimes, the less people say about themselves online, the more they've done. And the people that are kind of puffing themselves up and talking about this, this great thing that they did, yeah, oftentimes it's not... It's, I'm not the world's best self-promoter. I don't yeah. have a... Um, I have a, a, um, a, t- a Twitter account under my cat's name, which is at MaxCat, two Ts. That's cool. I love my <laughs> Which cat. allows me to say things I can't say professionally. Yeah. Um, but I don't tweet that much. And then Facebook and then LinkedIn and all the, all the normal, you know, channels. Nothing, nothing to outrage. I don't post that much, to be honest with you. Yeah. People can reach me out, you know, if, if they want to. Here's the one thing I would say, though, is, uh, you, you know, if you, if you find a place that you want to work, do some research on it. Find the people who are closest to where you are, like reach out to junior people they'll be more than happy to tell you yeah and then you know it a lot of times it'll be easier to get their time and get them to to invite you in than it will be someone who's in a creative director just because they're not um as available as as they'd like to be yeah i know i'd love to do this but yeah right or start a podcast and yeah. go for the jugular. That's my way of saying don't bother me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Well, they have this podcast. That's what's so cool. Is that like I can I can be like the sacrificial person who goes in, yeah. and and waste your time, and then yeah. well, I'll just record it. It's really a genius business model you built for yourself. Thank you very much. There, I have literally no. I think the best part about this is that I have no business strategy. And that has allowed me exactly. some agency. I think that's, I've heard that word used before. Sometimes I just say things that other smart people have already said. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, just from person to person. So, Greg, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. And I have a busy day. How to do so. Thank you very much. Meet the creatives. We're going to Red Antler right now. We're going to Brooklyn. Peace.